Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Climb Chronicles. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Pasha and I've built this platform as a way to share backstories and knowledge to some of the most innovative startup companies that I've come across. And today we are joined by Tom Gray and Nikita Kretu, who are the founders of Lumino, who is formerly known as Bloom Jobs, which is Europe's first cannabis recruitment agency. Their mission is to enable their clients to achieve their human capital objectives in order for medical cannabis to reach everyone that it needs. Tune in to hear all about their experience, the challenges they have faced and the stigma surrounding the medical cannabis industry. Hello, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. How are you? you? It's lovely to meet you in person. Well, virtually anyway. <laughs> virtually in person, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Honestly, like it's just been so busy with work and just trying to do a thousand and one things at the same yeah. time. Uh, I'm sure you know exactly what I mean though. Yeah, we, we, we've had an absolute mental day or mental week actually, I think so far. Um, but uh, men, mental start to the year, but this I think this week has been particularly crazy actually. So, so again, that's also to the point of having to move around the uh, the podcast so much. It, it was hard hard to find time at the, the start of this week, so apologise for that. That's yeah. not a at all. Do you want to walk me through what you guys were up to this week then, or is it anything in, exciting or interesting? Yeah, well, we we have been onboarding the latest member of our team, which is really exciting uh, for us. And it's been just a, from an operations perspective, pretty busy week in terms of um, just a, a lot to work on, which is a good problem yeah. to have. Um, but the main, I mean, so yeah, the main the main thing is uh, like the rebrand, for example. So we've just rebranded from Bloom Jobs to Lumino. So yeah. getting that active on all of our channels, uh, making sure that uh, like all the typical things, all the way from invoices to social media channels, that everything's been rebranded. Um, the technical side of that, managing the tech team that we just um, hired. And what else? Uh, getting new marketing traction channels like up and running and testing those, um, as well as like operational things like recruitment. Um, we're working with the latest thing that we just worked on was the medical tender here in Holland. So uh, there was five companies uh, were selected to cultivate um, three crops that are going to be analyzed by the Dutch government. One of them, best crop is going to, or two of them are going to get licenses. And we just worked with um, one of the five people that got uh, the permission to do this um, to find them like their cultivation team, basically. Like, do you find that the laws in over there are very different? in terms of like legalization versus over here or do you find that it's quite similar in terms of the challenges that you've had to come across mm. i mean the, the the landscape is very different here than in the netherlands than than in um, the uk i mean the netherlands has had this backdoor policy as they call it where in which you were allowed to sell cannabis um over the counter in coffee shops uh, that have a license to do so but you were never allowed to actually produce the cannabis yourself so so this is this backdoor policy where it's not allowed it's completely illegal in the netherlands but it is tolerated so to speak um and um now what what has happened is basically there's still a lot of um criminality going on right as as people are um uh, yeah, cultivating illegally. So in order to eliminate that and actually have a legal supply chain for these coffee shops, they've, they've done an experiment in which they selected 10 licenses or 10, 10 um, uh, companies to produce 6.5 tons of cannabis per year for a selected group of 74 coffee shops um, in the Netherlands. That doesn't include Rotterdam and, the, and Amsterdam, which is like the main cities. Um, and yeah, uh, so, so we, we were we were quite happy to um, be part of that application process as well. So a company came to us very, very close to the deadline when the application had to be in and we built a full team of um, construction partners, property development par partners, uh, consultants and a full cultivation team to put in the, um, the application. Um, and they actually got their license now, so <laughs> which is great, which is awesome. Yeah. 
but like it's really cool how you guys are, are there from the beginning of that journey and you being able to witness that and be part of that too so that's so exciting that's that's exactly what excites us like yeah. we really think that the only way that we can measure that we did a good job is by through the success of our of our uh, clients or or, the, or candidates in the, in those roles um so yeah that's definitely the most exciting part is seeing um companies develop after we've worked with them fantastic but yeah i just wanted to thank you guys for coming on to the show as well. Awesome. Thank uh, you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. No problem. Have you guys had an experience like coming onto a podcast before or sharing your story that way? Yeah. Uh, this is actually my second podcast on a bed. Yeah. <laughs> we've done a few um, and into sort of general industry ones, a recruiter podcast as well. That, that's the one I did on the bed in the first lockdown. Um, and, and hopefully also potentially some more coming up. I, I think uh, I'm really excited also to have Nikita on the, on with with us on the podcast this is the first yeah. time we've actually done a podcast together uh, i know we did a live we did a live conference thing it's the, yeah it's the first time I, we did a podcast together it's and i think the live the live conference thing we did went quite well so we thought um the podcast together is a good idea too also nikita ha has like when everyone thinks of cannabis recruitment as like oh that must be really cool what they're imagining is actually nikita's job not mine uh, so, so what people want to hear is like a lot of what nikita's doing is actually really really exciting obviously what i'm doing is also exciting uh, yeah. but we'll get into it but yeah, yeah. that's also why i thought it was a good idea yeah, I mean, firstly, like, I'm really glad that both of you have joined because of all the shows that I've done, I think I've, there's only like a couple where I've had one or more co-founders on there and they always seem to be having more like views and, and hits because people like to, to listen to that dynamic. Yeah. You, like how exactly people have like a certain role with it. And like, why don't we, we start off there? So why don't you guys tell us briefly what exactly you guys do individually and, and together what are your roles with the team? yeah sure i mean tom maybe you start cool so i am a co-founder along with nikita harry and ellen who are not with us today uh, nikita obviously is uh, of, of lumino group which is a recruitment consultancy focused on the european cannabis industry so the emerging legal cannabis industry uh, and i am the chief executive officer um which is obviously a big title for a startup but it it, it i like to collectively think that as a team we're all sort of one big ceo uh, but for the for the purpose of, of of names, that's that's my position, and and we're effectively running lots of different things at the same time when it comes to again being in a startup. So operational side, business development, um, and anything else that goes in between finance and organising all your stuff. I suppose in in small companies, it it really is quite a broad role. Um, so that's in a in a nutshell what what I do, and I guess we'll go more into sort of what that means in practice a bit later. But that's that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so um, my, my title um, is uh, Chief Operations Officer um, and co-founder, obviously, I mean, me and Tom started this together with, with Harry and Ellen, as you mentioned. Uh, what I focus on is more the plant-touching side of the industry, so everything from cultivation to extraction to um, uh, also the more recreational side of the industry that is opening up in certain parts. So a lot with licenses procedures. So for example, the medical tender in, in the Netherlands right now, or the medical, uh, the recreational experiment that just happened as well. Um, so those kind of things. And in the company, I also focus a lot on the, the marketing side to so the front end of the funnel. Um, I, I've done most of the designs and, um, and visuals and everything like that so so yeah definitely i focus on the marketing side tom definitely the, the middle also like sales and business development and then um ellen is um ahead of recruitment and she that's that's her remit fantastic and i think uh those are quite two different two different roles there but again i can see how everything comes together um yeah. I think when i first met you tom like obviously um it's lumino now but it was first called bloom jobs so if you would walk us through that pivot and that shift as to why you know you guys have now become lumino and, and how like what was the process uh behind that and and what's the core differences yeah nikita's definitely the person to lead on that one from uh yeah. from rebranding angle he does yeah. all that stress sure. yeah <laughs> so so uh, to, to keep it short the, the reason the reason we rebranded was as we're expanding throughout europe we're in seven markets now um, there's just, there was just a trademark issue with our name. So um, that was like the hard reason why. 
soft reasoners also just as we developed into who we are now. I mean, a startup starts off with, I mean, we definitely have the same values as from the get-go, but we start to develop an identity and culture throughout the way. And I think this just sums up who we are, what we want to communicate with our brand, how and um, and obviously we hopefully won't run in any into any trademark issues. Uh, it was it was me and uh, so so Tom Tom and I know each other since boarding school. So since we've been like eleven years old, and we've always somehow shared a common interest in this field. But um, I ended up just because I guess I also went to university in Amsterdam, and it was just closer to me. I ended up within the industry a few years before Tom, where I was like working for a medical cannabis clinic and. Um, um, in Barcelona, um, Tom then slowly started uh, also like moving into the industry, started consulting a few companies, and then also pulled me on board with a few companies that he was working with in the UK. And very quickly identified um, it was all uh, like Tom identified this gap for sure. He that there was a problem with recruitment. All of my experiences in, in the industry totally aligned with that gap, and we decided to focus on. I mean, the the, the kind of idea also stemmed from like we wanted to have a, a, a service in which we could operate everywhere legally and we don't actually touch the product so we went with a shove uh, uh, picks and shovels kind of approach um, and then also just tried to find a gap in which we could actually make a difference and um, we believe that any industry is only as good as the people within it and we saw an inefficiency in, in how people were, th were thinking about hiring in this space um, who they needed in this space, how many people they needed in this space. And we just thought that we could good impact there. That also like kind of goes into um, the rebrand. So Lumino, what it means in Latin is to bring something into the light. And what our mission is to professionalize this industry and bring something that is still dominated by the black market and bring it into the light. So we, we're, what we focus on, yes, there's a, different, there's a difference between recreational and medical, um, right now in Europe, what we're talking about when it comes to the cannabis industry, it's only medical really, except for the few exceptions in like the Netherlands, for example, um, a few other places that are thinking about it as well. Um, but um, yeah, so we position ourselves as a partner to uh, companies trying to understand the European industry, um, uh, like let's say Canadian or American companies moving into this market and wanting to build teams here in Europe or within European um, startups and scale-ups um, that are looking to achieve new business models or uh, move into new areas. We don't just look at, okay, what do you need? What is the job description? And we find you a person. We look at like, what's, what are you trying to achieve? What kind of, like a human capital consultancy approach. What are you trying to achieve? Is, is that the right way in our, for, for, from our understanding? And who are the best people to achieve these goals for you? Um, so it's a bit, um, bigger than just delivering what people are looking for, but actually trying to help people um, identify who they actually need first. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Tom, do you have anything to add to that? I yeah, I think I think it was something that as as we we were sort of going into this industry, appreciating it was very early stage, and it I think it became quite apparent quite early on that there, there was a lack of general professionalism about it, and, and that's nothing to say towards the people. It was normally the way that things were done. So a lot of the time you would see cannabis companies. And, and when I say that, I mean three sort of main verticals here being medical cannabis companies. So uh, that will produce or prescribe or have <laughs> some connection with the medical cannabis industry. So whatever that might mean, that could be in the UK, for example, medical cannabis as of November, 2018 is uh, classed as an unlicensed medicine. Um, so, a, or a specialist medicine, which means it can be prescribed at once you've exhausted all traditional avenues of medicine. Um, so that opens up different commercial opportunities and routes to market for the medicine, which means there'll be distribution businesses being built. There's companies looking to cultivate and extract and produce and reformulate that medicine, turn it into an end product. And then there's obviously in the clinic, the specialist doctors and clinicians that will be prescribing it as well as the clinic managers to build it. And it's all a very new process. Uh, so that's the medical side. Then you've got the therapeutic side of the industry, which is the sort of let's not call it recreational for the moment because there's not, yeah. as Nikita mentioned, really a recreational market in Europe other than some early experiments in, in the Netherlands where you can actually invest uh, is one of the early signs that you actually put money into a recreational 
program, which is interesting, but it, it's still very early stage. But I'm sure a lot of people have heard of CBD and uh, the emerging CBD industry and how that's caught up sort of in, in the wellness industry as, as a whole. And it's ultimately CBD products um, that are certainly compliant and legal to be able to, to be able to sell in the UK come under a fast moving consumer good category, which is quite a traditional category if you're working with e-commerce or uh, high street uh, shops like Boots, for example, if you're selling nutraceuticals. Mm -hmm. But in the cannabis industry very early on, it wasn't really identified that it might share regulators with, let's say, um, nutraceutical companies uh, or people that have experience selling into Boots might be applicable to the, the cannabis industry because people wanted to get their products into Boots. It was more of a mentality that because it's such an early stage industry, we need to bring cannabis experts into it to help us figure out what to do. So what that meant was that we saw a lot of uh, quite traditional roles being filled or being asked to be filled by cannabis experts when really they just needed traditional experts. So for example, there would come a, a company that produces CBD as a brand and they want to sell it to the market would come to us. Uh, they would say, we need uh, a sales director that knows everything about cannabis because we need to get it into Whole Foods and Boots and yeah. we'll sort of say, well, maybe it's not that they need to know everything about cannabis, but maybe it's more important that they understand the traditional avenues of selling into boots and into Whole Foods. Because um, it, it can be <laughs> a bit like, I, I think a lot of people initially thought that as that was the lacking area of expertise, that's what you need to do to get it into the market. However, if you have a cannabis expert that is trying to sell into boots, they may not have a clue what they're doing if they've never done it before. Also, yeah. has sold into boots can do that. And it's a lot easier for them to go and then learn the regulations that fit into it, particularly if they've been selling in a similar category. So it's more about aligning traditional expertise with gaps that we've seen in the industry from early growing pains of early industry. So that's therapeutic. And then final stage, final part of the industry is the plant touching area. So that's the three medical therapeutic, uh, well, therapeutic plant touching, um, unless you want to wrap that all up in business ancillary because there's lots of different things that feed into it. But the plant touching side is, um, as you can imagine, like again, traditional agriculture, you have facilities that have to be a, a certain spec depending on what product they're producing. And then you have to have certain qualified individuals in that facility that know what they're dealing with. And as you can imagine, if you were to have a tomato farm, the person that is growing your tomatoes is extremely important because if they do a bad job, then the entire value of your company as a tomato farmer would be brought down. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's why there's, there's a real importance for sort of understanding what professionalism means in this industry and how to plug those gaps quite early on. And as there wasn't another recruitment company doing that or anyone, and recruitment companies are like a small word, as Nikita said, it's, it is quite a consultancy, mm -hmm. uh, which again, wasn't necessarily anticipated, but having worked sort of across the industry with different parts and having a perspective now working with obviously multiple clients in different jurisdictions, it allows us to, to maybe have a slightly different perspective around what you should be doing when you're, you're building a team, where the best talent can come from, and even all the way to the onboarding process of a candidate. What, what, what is a good candidate experience into a business and why does that matter for, for the longevity of, of their role at that business? So I think it, what, what started as solving a simple problem from sort of looking to solve what looked like a simple problem actually turned into quite a complex but exceptionally interesting um, solution, I suppose, to growing pains of a very early, early stage market mm. uh, in, in a large nutshell. That is my, my answer. Yeah. No, that was, that was a fantastic little rundown there. And um, because I can, I can remember like hearing on the news not quite so long ago, actually, about, uh, you know, the, the American market and how, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Jay-Z actually did invest in a company called Cleva, which is the Californian um marijuana company and and you know it's just it's just bringing to light where how all of these things are now becoming so sensationalized or you know they're becoming more mainstream um mm. even though they have been mainstream for quite a long time like under the under the rug there but now you guys are you know part of that movement to, to help legalize certain aspects of it and and just to you know kind of break like build or bring a completely different um side to it so no one no one actually thinks like no one actually thinks of recruitment as the first as the first thing that pops into your head when you think of that side especially like with me medical cannabis you just think okay cool well um you know you can get it off prescription off of the nhs that kind of thing but from my understanding that isn't necessarily what you guys 
do right so um you probably fill a lot of roles as, as tom just mentioned there with recruitment so like you said it's it's quite easy to find well it's easier to find someone who's very good at say sales and then you can always train them up in the into the actual product and, and give them that product knowledge rather than vice versa so yeah i can completely see how you actually uh, approach that method um but yeah, look, just to go back to my original question, do you guys actually work with private clinics or are you looking to work hand in hand for like sourcing for the NHS as well? Uh, so on the so on the medical side, private clinics would are our clients. So it's not, uh, it is sort of becoming available on the NHS, but not through mass prescription right now, because although medical cannabis has been legal in some degree in the UK for a couple of years, it remains completely pre complete private and it is, quite expensive and hard to access for, for, for a great deal of patients. So the NHS is basically building a body of evidence to weigh up whether or not, uh, or what really they will be prescribing if they prescribe at some point and in what form that will take. And naturally, I think that's going to take quite a long time. So we, we won't be um, hiring for the NHS, I don't think anytime soon on, on that front, although I'd love to say we would be. Um, mm. But in the, in the meantime, there are still private clinics in the UK, which are being built out. Uh, and that is where the the all of our business on the medical side resides for the time being. Um, it, it would be really encouraging to see uh, the NHS making moves, and I, I think they're sort of taking their time on it. Hopefully, for for the right reasons. Uh, but I'm sure in the coming years we will see uh, it available in the NHS in some form or another, mm. unless we're completely going backwards, which would be a big surprise. But it, it can happen in choppy industries, so you never know. Uh, but I, I hope for the for the sake of patient access that they the NHS will allow to prescribe medicine because there is a, a great deal of patients in the UK that still don't have access to it, and private healthcare is not necessarily affordable, or it's just not easy for them to get. Um, so there, there's a there, there's an ongoing grow, growing uh, sort of movement of of people really wanting that access. So hopefully they'll be heard by the NHS and, uh, and maybe then we'll, we will be hiring for the NHS. That'd be good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you mentioned there, you touched on the European market, but are you guys uh, sourcing for anywhere else uh, in the world at all? Have you got Not plans yet. to expand? Not yet. So Europe, it keeps us pretty busy for the moment. There's a lot of different jurisdictions coming online in different shapes and forms. Uh, so for, for the time being, that's, that's our focus. And even, Sort of, if you look at North American and U.S. companies, lots of them are trying actually to get across to Europe as well. So we thought it's probably best to to carry on uh, doing what we're doing over here until it makes sense for us to maybe swim back upstream to some of our North American clients. Yeah, yeah. The, the the U.S. is difficult, and Canada is a small market, so there are a lot of companies are looking how they can somehow have an impact in Europe. That's mm -hmm. where we are, and um, we have been asked by clients, like especially. In, American and Canadian clients that we have that we've helped move into this market, um, whether we can help them back in their domestic markets, but um, our, our focus definitely lies in, the, in, the, in Europe right now. Yeah, that's completely understandable. And uh, just so that, you know, like just to provide that kind of understanding, I can imagine like you having, like looking through all, all the legals and jurisdiction there, it must be really like tough, especially if you guys don't have legal backgrounds i mean what what are you guys like specialize in if, if you guys you know what did you study at university yeah <laughs> yeah i studied i studied international business and languages here in amsterdam and um yeah so business and i was always interested in trying to build a company um how companies are built um how markets work um emerging markets specifically and disruptive markets is like what i really find interesting um so yeah that's i guess it's just interest in business was my education yeah and in terms of like the the legal side of things like do you find that you're there doing all of that grunt work yourself like you know going through doing all of the research yourself or do you find that you have like a team member who has got more of a legal background to help you with that yeah so harry is um who's a, a non-executive and co-founder he's a m&a lawyer um, that's his background. Uh, so he has a legal background and he definitely has helped us in the past. Um, but in general, I think the great thing about what we do is we speak to a bunch of really interesting professionals from so many different backgrounds. So just by even just asking um, 
yeah, our network and um, being, being in the right uh, communication channels with the right people uh, allows you to find out a lot of things and then it's just traditional research from there. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, I think also different to if we were to be a brand, for example, setting up, uh, there's obviously a lot of different channels and lots of different regulations that you need to uh, navigate, particularly if you're working in different parts of Europe because the cannabis rules are constantly changing. It's like a, a moving thing. Yeah. Uh, as a, like a service business, then we can lean, as Nikita says, on our network. And a lot of the time that can be professional lawyers that focus on the cannabis industry. That is a job now in the UK um, and in the rest of Europe. So German lawyers, Dutch lawyers, and they are also um, obviously switched on on particular topics. But depending on uh, what we're trying to figure out depends on who we lean on. And if it looks like we really won't understand it, then we best avoid it. Um, yeah. And that's the sort of common approach. But as uh, if we get to a point where we really get stuck in something which is chunky legal stuff, uh, we're very fortunate to have one of our, 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 not our non-exec and our, our co-founders being a, a trained lawyer it does help. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I was going to say like, yeah, it must be really, it must be really lucky to have someone who has got that kind of background and who can basically navigate your way through it and look at things which are you know more relevant versus sifting through all of that information and trying to find loopholes as well so that must be such a lengthy process yeah, yeah. and i think i think a big part was also that we on purpose didn't go with a product or service that is highly regulated right so yeah. we work in highly regulated industries and we have to understand what the main pitfalls for our clients will be and that's just a matter of experience and research like i mentioned um but um, we're not highly regulated at all, really. I mean, using the yeah. social media ads is, is, is tough, but I mean, we, we supply legal professionals. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately for us, the recruitment industry is actually, a, well, it's actually, a, in general, a saturated market. We just happen to be in a very unsaturated, uh, tapped into an unsaturated niche. Um, so on that on that reason, it's quite fortunately for us to clearly defined on on what you can and can't do, uh, as it's been sort of a quite a trodden path really. In in terms of the the focus on the cannabis industries, we lean on, um, yeah, as we said, the network and and expertise to make sure that we are stepping in the right direction if we're going to be working with a company. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there is a high level of due diligence that I think would be hard to train in in the short term, um, but something that is 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 quite easily learned if you spend your time doing it. Uh, is sort of what to look for in when you're when you're speaking with cl potential clients and, and people that you could be working with because at the end of the day it is a industry which is some of it has come from the black market and with that has brought sometimes money from the black market or even individuals from the black market and it, you have to be sort of I guess conscious of that and make sure you're asking the right questions uh, so you don't end up getting wrapped up in something or, or become a, a mule without realizing uh, if you know what I mean so so there is definitely a, a lot more caution that will go on and a, a effectively a huge amount more due diligence us if we're scared by anything we say no uh, <laughs> to 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 our uh, prospects if, if we think that there's any sort of foul play there just because it, you do have to be cautious we do want to be completely squeaky clean we want we, um, we want and we started it because we want this industry to grow properly and be professional and we don't want to fuel unprofessionalism and, and um, corruption. <laughs> so that the focus for us is, is definitely on making sure that we, we live by our values, but that really means working with people that align with those values. So that, that helps. Yeah, for sure. And, and can you remember, uh, can you remember the exact time or experience or feeling as to when you actually landed your first prospects with with a role like can you tell us a bit oh, yeah. more about that it was actually a, a, a very good friend of mine in the, like, and he's become to be actually one of my really really good friends a guy called sal noble um mm. who's a very astute uh, businessman that works in cbd but comes from a vaping background so he understands sort of fmzg the importance of customer service that side of things and we became friends quite early on uh, when i got involved in, in the industry and they were growing out their team, they're building an events business for the, for the cannabis industry uh, that went on to actually be a massive success. Um, and he said to me, like, we're looking for a marketing director, uh, any ideas sort of thing. And I explained that we're putting together this recruitment company and, and we want a proof of concept. And if you would let us do this, we'll only charge you 5% if we, if we find the person that's right for you, which we thought is a, a pretty fair deal. So yeah. very, very much 
matrix. It's the first time doing it, first time anyone's ever recruited professionally in the cannabis industry in Europe. So it was quite a, a big, a big task we're taking on. And, and we brought in uh, Ellen, who's one of the co-founders who has uh, experience in in running recruitment processes, building recruitment processes, uh, which obviously helped, but really it was all very new. Uh, so we ran a, a very big process for that. I spoke to hundreds of people in person and mm-hmm. found uh, such a fantastic candidate that they ended up taking and ended up uh, being the director for the entire life of the, of the business, wow. which again went really well and is now a, a key opinion leader in the industry as well and, and is a great advocate for, for Lumino and what we do. Um, and that was the first placement and it was a really, and it sort of started on the right foot, I think, and we sort of followed the same pattern we obviously refined our process down to be slightly less chunky than it was at the time mm-hmm. um but th- that was our yeah our first placement it was really special and, and sal we continue to do business with him uh, and and help him and and work together on different projects and and we've supported their business going to different events uh, around europe as well which has been really exciting and obviously seeing uh, our, our candidates handiwork as well uh, as there's a yeah. lot of people at the event and she was the marketing director so a really really good job so yeah it, I, I guess that was the early sort of signs that we, we are doing the right thing and supporting really g- good people and good businesses and and uh, like all, all people sort of trying to learn together which I, I quite liked. Um, in terms of like say candidates after him do you find are there any reoccurring challenges that you have come across um, or any recent challenges that you want to talk about say matching those those roles and and prospects together i think any uh, first of all it was actually her uh, uh, and it was um i I guess on on any position we're working on we as we're quite small and and decidedly so we we treat it with a very much a boutique effect approach um Mm. and quite a lot of the roles as i mentioned are very new so i think each role is challenging and we we approach every single position in the industry with as if like it's a blank slate so like forget everything what is this what are they trying to achieve what does the landscape look like and how can we hire for this person not we've already done it before we'll do it again same thing because i think these sort of assumptions of, of where the industry's maybe lost some of its professionalism or, or could be maybe a bit more efficient on it yeah. um so when it comes to for example when we were hiring specialist doctors a lot of these specialist doctors hadn't been trained in how to prescribe medical cannabis because it's only just become legal to be prescribed and a lot of them I was the first person telling them that that they can and it was really trying to engage medical professionals on this has different challenges I I suspected it was going to be sort of the younger group of people that would be more engaged in fact it was the more senior doctors that have seen it particularly in neurology so prescribing for pain management that get asked I think quite frequently by their patients Um, they were a lot more engaged but that was initial challenge I was like I, I would have assumed it was that group that's where we sort of learned to forget assumptions and just go with like a a process effectively and then uh when you even with those doctors you know they had to go through training to then be uh placed in into companies and that was all things that we had to build along the way as we go and then i I guess the same would apply to i guess nikita's processes he'll be able to tell you more around master growers extraction technicians placing some of the first i I mean at the beginning there was a lot of companies trying to follow what I identified as being mistakes of what companies did. So there, there were certain first movers who made a lot of mistakes when moving in. And it comes with every first move. It, it's it's normal. But um, because that was the only case study out there, an example, a lot of companies would try to follow in the footsteps of that company making a mistake. So in, for example, in when it comes to cultivation, everyone was going for the biggest facility um, uh, trying to go full GMP, which is like the pharmaceutical standard. Um, and it, it just didn't make sense when you actually analyze what patients would want, would want now and what they would want in the future, how to keep costs down, especially if the NHS or other insurances don't cover these things. And um, um, also just from an operational or like an, like an efficiency standpoint, you don't start massive and you've never done it before. You start small and start testing and scaling your operations, for example. Um, so just little mistakes like that, which were also a learning curve for, I mean, what, what is great about us working with so many different company types and early stage companies is that we can learn from their mistakes and make sure that those learnings are transmitted to anyone new that we come. So every time, pretty much any time you start, uh, when a new customer comes, we're a better company. Every, every time. So we keep on like absorbing this knowledge. We feed it across the organization and we share our learnings uh, um, 
of mistakes of things that went really well um, with our customers. But like Tom said, we treat it like a complete new case study. So there's learnings that we can bring into this, but it's we, we, in this industry, you can't assume anything. So we obviously have to start with an assumption, but you need to validate that every single time uh, and improve on it. And that's how we run our process. That's how we make any decision in this industry. And I think in an early stage market where things aren't defined, um, it, 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 there's a lot of variability in different parts and uh, lack of transparency as well. You just have to operate in that way to make sure that you're on track and moving in the direction the, the organization or we want to move into. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, it seems as though, like you said, like breaking into any new industry is really just building your knowledge as you know it comes and and learning from the previous like say candidates that you've managed to source and learning from from all of that. Um, but yeah, it does it does definitely sound like you know you're growing and expanding with each with each passing on. Um, uh, but yeah, you uh, spoke very briefly on that transparency, and I'm just going to ask another question on on top of that as well. So obviously, there's there's not that much transparency in in mainstream in terms of what you guys are trying to do. So have you guys actually come across any? specific barriers or stigma that you're trying to overcome or you it's, it's a consistent you know thing that you're that you're coming you're hearing from either the clients that you're trying to source to or when you when you are trying to bring more outreach out there I was say the, same. The, main, the main stigma i hear around yeah when regulators politicians speak um i mean even germany which is the most advanced fastest growing medical cannabis market um in in, in europe um mm-hmm has like the, the, the party, the CDU that is running Germany right now that is in charge, they, I mean, the way they talk about cannabis, I mean, they're still saying that it's a gateway drug. I mean, they're, they're still saying things that have been disproven multiple times. Um, so it's, it's just, yeah, that, that's the annoying part. But actually when I speak to candidates, it's very like, there's not much, I mean, obviously you get confronted with like old information but it's not like there's a stigma attached to them not being open-minded enough to, to listen to what the, what's actually going on. And I always just encourage people to just look at the actual data out there. So I don't get annoyed and like tell them you're wrong. I just like incentivize or like invite them to come and look at the um, like scientific evidence and, um, and, yeah, maybe speak to a patient or two and see how they perceive these medicines and how it's improved their quality of life, for example. So, um, yeah, I mean, stigma is, is definitely still around, but um, luckily, um, I definitely feel like there's been some shift. Also, I think there's a un, un, unexpected stigma which is attached to not the cannabis industry, but the recruitment industry, um, which, because we're quite a boutique recruitment company, sort of built from scratch and values to focus on a specific problem uh, rather than maybe a copy and paste recruitment model is really quite malleable if you like our, our, the way that our business is, has been built uh, and i'm not from a recruitment background myself but we have come and um, we, we do have obviously recruiters in the team uh, but we have come across like there is a like a, a mentality that people some people can have about recruiters as a whole because it is a saturated market so in, in saturated markets you can have sort of mass sales teams and it's not the recruiters fault it's like for example in london the property market in the past few years before covid was absolutely saturated so you have a lot of estate agents doing uh, giving out temp properties and there, there can be a, a lack of ethics that happen from speaking to so many people in a day i suppose that people forget people are human and then suddenly you're just running it like numbers because those companies are so incentivized that they incentivize their staff so much to hit numbers that they can end up doing sort of foul tactics just to hit those numbers like putting out fake job posts um i I don't know wasting candidates time not giving people updates not really caring about the client like if, if a client comes to us and says we need you to hire this person for us if we don't think they need to hire that person and we think it's going to damage their business, we'll say no. And, and, I, and it's, we're not going to use that as an opportunity just to get a deal in. And I think there's that stigma, which we, we've sort of overactively been very consciously uh, giving in the way that we approach the industry and we offer our network and really want to be very like, supportive of the entire build of the, the company process. Um, so, and that, that's really been to sort of put aside the, the recruitment stigma. And I think now as a as a brand if you like people see us as that sort of conscientious 
recruit recruiter rather than like a, a mass market thing. But there's there was a stigma there which was unexpected. Well, un, not unexpected, but more impactful than we thought. Uh, but we're pleased to say that in the cannabis industry now it's less of a problem which makes me think if people go from the cannabis industry to maybe another saturated industry they might have a bit of a nightmare if they expect the same sort of service or same like level of de dedication but I, I i guess that's um one of those things and and I, the only other part of stigma uh, which could affect as you can imagine it is the cannabis industry and i've only literally had one candidate that said to me uh, that i reached out to and said would you be interested in the loss opportunity and this was maybe three years ago, two and a half years ago, um, right at the start, basically. And the, the candidate said, like, I really disagree with what you're doing. And I, it, I invited a sort of conversation. I was like, I'd really like to know why. Not, I'm not offended, but mm -hmm. if I am doing something wrong, I want to know about it sort of thing. Um, and that was the only time I've ever come across anyone from that perspective that's actually been opposed to it. I think as we're a sort of a network node where things come it like things people are naturally attracted to us that are interested in getting involved in the cannabis industry we rarely have any friction from um sort of candidates they're always quite enthusiastic about the industry or getting involved you can have people from the most unexpected backgrounds from accountants to bankers to doctors that will call call, call us up and and just ask about the industry you know is it i've had people saying is this real like is this actually is are you real yeah and wanting to check that it is real just because it is it is quite new and i think that brings its own little problems but it also has it's, it's quite nice because uh, yeah. it gives you a chance to sort of open up a little world for people if you like and, and point them in the right direction and give them information that may change their career or they may think I don't want to do that uh, yeah. but either way I quite enjoy being involved in that part of the sort of process, learning process for people of all ages and all levels of experience yeah yeah i was gonna say that's that's quite a good sign because if, if your business is something that's so core cool extraordinary that people find it really hard to believe in it or, or even think that you know how how can this be real then i guess it's it's generating that natural interest in itself um and also like i was gonna say um with sales and, and recruitment they are quite similar as to, as to terms of you know everyone's always got those inboxes felt like you know always got those messages filled with like on linkedin from recruiters and and it's not necessarily like a tailored approach and i find as though with 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 lumino what you're doing is you're you're a you're providing a, a tailored approach and you really have your clients needs at heart so you know like you said you you're it comes to a point where you're willing to kind of turn down um a role or placing someone just because you don't think it's it's needed and i think that will pay its dividend going forward uh because yeah. really, when you are selective when you are selective as well it does really pay its its fruit yeah for sure i mean we just try to do what's right for the, the customer and build a long-term relationship and not just get the quick buck straight away you know that's that's not what we try to do um for sure exactly exactly and uh, off the back of that as well you, you guys said you don't have any like say recruitment experience in general um but i've i've come across a few companies or even people in my network who are looking to um start this recruitment this their whole own recruitment agencies especially during the pandemic there's so many different niches that have come out now but do you have any advice for current entrepreneurs who are looking to do that or what kind of what kind of things would you have wished you known before you started i think i think if you it sounds really cheesy but sort of stay true to your core values don't mm -hmm. sacrifice those to replicate a business model of something that may not reflect who you are as a person uh, or as a business um, yeah. and leaning on network i think and as we mentioned before also developing long-term relationships which sort of goes hand in hand with leaning on network but i found in general anything whether you're starting a recruitment company or a cupcake business it's really useful just to speak to people that are involved in the area and i guess as you're doing you're making a podcast creating a discussion around it listening to these sort of things and yeah. and then reaching to people off the back of it and, and digging deeper if it really is interesting to you and you really want to build a, a recruitment company make sure you're doing it for obviously the right reasons if, if it is just to make money then there's a there's a lots of different copy and paste models you can do from all the saturated recruitment market out there that's really not hard to find if you want to make something special tailored and something that is is actually not just another recruitment business is actually maybe changing the way that recruitment can be done then make sure i guess you you stick true to what you're trying to solve and and keep it original uh, yeah. don't necessarily just uh, adopt a, a process a way of doing things because that's how it's done i think that's how we get stuck in in our ways and i think that's how you get these mega saturated markets where everyone's fighting over a small piece of bread 
um, if you do your own thing and carve it your own way, I, I think uh, people, people sort of buy into that a lot more and it's, it's more genuine because it is genuine. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. If I have to say a few things is, um, which we have as a value in our company as well, is like never think you're an expert. So always try to stay hungry to learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that if you think you're an expert, you stop learning, therefore other people start surpassing you. So always stay hungry to learn more. You will never know it all. Just That's maybe one thing. Um, and secondly, a bit on what Tom is saying is make sure that what you're trying to get into reflects yourself, but also reflects your interests yeah. and, and passion because starting a business and any business is not a walk in the park. I mean, especially when you have to endure a bubble pop and uh, and a global pandemic hit. Um, so yeah. it's just um, make sure that what you do, you love. You love the impact of what you do, and you you're genuinely interested in it. It's, it's it, yeah, it's something that where you're willing to go through um, some hardships in order to achieve what you think is the right thing for for your passion. Uh, and, and, yeah, an industry essentially. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's probably the main things. Yeah, for sure. And, and I can definitely see that passion coming through there as well. And I love that an- analogy that Tom just mentioned about birds like fighting over just one piece of bread there. I think that's such mm. a good way to think about it. To when you were first starting out, is there anything that you would have done or you wish you would have done differently or even like researched yourself before going into it? No, you learned me. Yeah, yeah, I I, I not, in a, not in a bad way, but like... No, I'm so grateful for where we are today that I wouldn't sacrifice anything on the way, good or bad, to get here. Uh, so, in think, that regard, or even the things that were embarrassing, I don't regret. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, I think everything provides learnings, and you learn by doing, um, and you have to learn by doing. In, in, in an industry where others, there's no case study to copy what somebody else has done, and um, so every mistake we've done has been. A, a, the most important part of our success. Most exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 the way we do things is we do something, we analyze what went good or bad, and we adapt. And that's just a constant process. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I would have done anything different because, because of that. Yeah. It, it has been educational in all shapes and forms, but yeah. I, wouldn't change, I wouldn't change it because I think it's, it, we stay true to what, we still say that we are values led, we stay true to what we set out to do and what we're looking to do. And, and uh, and we're learning on the way, and that can be painful. We we call it nut shots, where where there's like a, <laughs> an unexpected painful event that happens, and we sort of laugh about it. But really, it is quite painful. And, and you have to laugh about it. You have, you to, have laugh. to laugh about it. If it wasn't something, if it wasn't something we loved, uh, and we really actually genuinely cared about as a team, and then like we sort of also like bred that in the team as like now everyone as a team really cares about what we're trying to solve, but also cares about each other. So that that certainly helps it a, a more manageable journey. And I think uh, uh, early stage like levels of communication as well is super important. And I think we're also very lucky to have a like a, a our non-exec and a slash mentor uh, in the business. Yeah. I think a, sort of a, a mentor or a, um, a sponsor, if you like, for anyone looking to start a business is always, I'd say a really good idea. Um, someone that has experienced in in a, any any given field um, at a, a good level, someone that you look up to and, and that you think you can learn from, it, it's a really valuable um, valuable tool for, for success. And I think that hopefully will passes on through mentors, training mentors, training mentors, and and, and down. Uh, but I think it's a it's a it's the nicest gift, right? If you can teach yeah. someone how to fish effectively. Um, but there's also something quite rewarding about it. I think I hope for our, for our non exec. It takes all the fun out of it as well. If you were to do everything perfectly the first time around. Um, and like you mentioned, yeah. Um, I think they say that the best way to learn how to do something is just look at people who have done it before you. Even though it's not necessarily the same industry or, or the exact same product, mm. it's always like that formula or method that you could almost kind of replicate as well to try and implement that in your own in your own journey. So that all yeah. sounds so so cool and so exciting but um i guess now to to round up the podcast as well because we are you know coming up to the last the last question even um what's next for lumino and what do you guys say have in store for us a couple of years down the line Um, so i think we're going to be riding the the wave of unfolding regulations through europe and matching its growth with our 
company growth at the same time and growing to meet the demands that this new industry and ever-changing European landscape that we're working in is asking for. Um, and it's hard to say what shape or form that comes in. We have suspicions that the medical market's going to get bigger and the, the, uh, the recreational market will start opening up and, and we'd like to make sure we're instrumental in, in professionalizing all elements of that and really making it uh, an industry that is innovative in its own right. So it's, it's uh, something that other industries look towards as a good place to start, if you like. Um, so that, and I, I think Bloom will, or Lumino even getting out of the habit there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's, that's the hardest part of the rebrand. From my perspective. Uh, <laughs> um, Lumino will be, uh, will, yeah, will be growing and, and, and I think you'll, you'll probably be seeing more of us as we're supporting more and more clients across the industry which i i'm i'm just excited with 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 the prospect of developing our, our ever-growing network and client base and and seeing the success take form because you know you play someone in a company it's not an immediate success the success happens over over a year over two years over three years and now we're allowed to sort of step back coming up to sort of three years at, at lumino and start enjoying some of the sort of the fruits of our labor if you like and and it's quite re rewarding from a perspective far better than sort of saying sending an invoice seeing a company coming around or a client come around to us and thanking us or they didn't even need to thank us because they, they've they've already done something incredible with that individual or the business has changed for the better with them that is really really cool to see um, and there's some really amazing innovation coming out as a result of, of that. And uh, like that, it, it really helps you sleep at night. So I think that that's really cool. And I think we'll be seeing more of that effectively. So more innovation coming from, from that front and more, uh, more exciting businesses being built in the, in this sector, which you, we will all be hearing about. And as you, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of celebrities now getting involved. I, I saw even David Beckham's got a CBD skincare company. He's launching in yeah. September. Uh, it, it's it's going to get a it's going to be a very exciting place, and I know that in the coming years as well, there's going to be a lot more of that celebrity focus. Jay Z sort of lit the fuse, uh, and now we're going to watch that go off, which is going to be quite cool. Uh, so I think it's going to be a lot more in people's faces, in a good way. Um, so I'm excited for that. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> And looking forward to seeing where that all goes and exactly what kind of fuse you guys will be lighting as well. Who knows? Yeah, um, we've hit a thousand <laughs> fuses already. You'll see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you again for for joining us on the on the show as well. And and where can people keep up to date with all things Lumino and and all things with you guys as well individually? Yeah, best thing is so I, that's all done now in the rebrand. So um, on LinkedIn, which is just Lumino. Um, uh, on our LinkedIn, if you follow us on LinkedIn, you can find all of the new updates. We post our new jobs on LinkedIn as well that are, when they come in, as well as our website, which is luminorecruit.com, um, where you can see an active job board with all of the live jobs that we have on there. And if there's even if there isn't a job that um, that you like on our job board, send us your CV, um, which you can also do on our website, and we will you you'll be entered into our database, and we can get in touch with you as soon as something relevant pops up. Perfect. And thanks so much, Pasha, for having us on the show. Thank you so much. Sorry it's Thank taken you. so long to, to happen. It's silly. been such a pleasure. Don't be silly. It was well worth the wait as well. But yeah, thank you so much, guys. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what you end up doing next. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love this podcast. Thank you for, for I think it's great that you're, you're doing this. That's yeah, it. it's super cool. Hats mm -hmm. off to you. Yeah, <laughs> off to you, for sure. Yeah.